A.W. Pink, a great man of the holiness movement many years ago, made this statement. He said, faith is the principle of life by which the Christian lives unto God. It is a principle of motion by which he walks the highway onto heaven. It's the principle of strength by which he opposes the flesh, the world, and ultimately the devil. You see, God does exist. In every situation in your life, God has so much planned for you, so much he desires for you, so much he wants for you, yet it's not until you and I, by faith, will reach out and take. You see, I'm a believer that at salvation, everything heaven has is mine. But I come to understand that I will only receive as much as by faith in Jesus Christ, I will reach out and take. So there's not a man or woman in here that God does not have the best planned. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. It was not a passive statement. It was not a suggestive statement. It was a declarative statement. He said, I know the plan." Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I was praying and saying, God, what would be something good in the hour we live? We just went through an interesting election period. We just, uh, there's a lot of people happy about the election, a lot of people not happy about the election. But the reality is my heart always goes beyond elections. My heart goes beyond politics. My heart goes beyond the things of this world to the one who I really know is in charge. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so today, what I I really sensed uh, that I would do is a series that I've titled Trying Trying Times or Trusting Times. You all have heard me use that statement, you know, probably a thousand times since this church has began. Because this is kind of the thing about my life, is it's easy to rejoice when things are going well. It's easy to rejoice when the coffers are filled. It is easy to rejoice when your bank account has positive in it. It's easy to rejoice when your cupboards are, the, are not bare. It's easy to rejoice when your family is in order and, and you're, they're not arguing. Your kids are, are doing uh, the things that they're supposed to do, like honor mom and dad. But when there's trying times, this is where God challenges our faith the most. And today's going to be a very simple message dealing with 
three words that in the Greek literally come from the same root word. The word is pistis, pisteo, and the words are trust, faith, and belief. They all come from the same word. If you say you believe God, that means you're trusting God. If you're trusting God, that means you have faith in God. It is not a passive word. It is a very active word. A story that I read many, many years ago, and I I think I shared it in the church one time, uh, or I thought about it. I had it written down, and I was going to, but I, I call it barbershop theology. It's an actual true story where a man walked into a barbershop to have his hair trimmed one day, along with his beard and all the different places that men grow hair on their head. It's amazing. I I can't believe all the places that I get hair. Have any of you gentlemen had problem with hair on your nose? Okay, just, that's a terrible thing to talk about, but, you know, just, hair just grows. I've never had so much hair in my ears in my life. I, I know I should get these thoughts past my head, but I'm just, anyway, he goes to this barber shop and the barber, he sits down in the chair and he begins to work and And the barber strikes up a conversation. They talked about so many subjects. And eventually the subject of God came up. And the barber said, I don't believe God exists. And the man in the chair said, well, why do you say that? He said, well, just go look look at the street. And you'll see that God doesn't exist. And then he said, tell me, if God existed, would there be so many sick people so many abandoned children. If God existed, there would be neither suffering nor pain. I can't imagine a loving God who would allow all of these things to happen. Well, the man thought for a moment, but didn't respond because he didn't want to start an argument. The barber finished his job, and the man left the shop. And just after he left, he saw a man in the street with a long, stringy, dirty hair, and an untrimmed beard. And the man immediately turned back to the barber shop, walked into the barber, and he said, you know what? I don't believe barbers exist. (laughs) To that, the barber explained, how can you say that? You just sat in my chair. I worked on you. I got you all cleaned up, trimmed up, shaped up. And the man said, nope, nope, nope. I don't believe barbers exist. Because if they did... There would be no people with dirty hair, untrimmed beards, or hair growing out the different orifices of their bodies. Just like the man outside. To which the barber responded, Oh, but barbers do exist. This is what happens when people do not come to me. To which the man affirmed, Exactly. That That is my point. You see, God too does exist. All the things you have noted are only the result of people who will not go to him and look to him for their help. That's why there's so much pain and suffering in the world. Can somebody say amen? You see, I learned a long time ago that many have a religion, but they really have no faith. They have a creed of sorts, but they really have no belief. They do not really and actively trust God. Why? Because it doesn't make sense to believe or to act upon something you can't understand. You see, most of us 
are narcissistic. Most of us are analytical, whether you're a type A or a type 0 personality. We still have a hard time believing what we don't see, hearing what we can't hear, knowing what we don't know, understanding, if I can say, what we refuse to understand. A.W. Pink, a great man of the holiness movement many years ago, made this statement. He said, faith is the principle of life by which the Christian lives unto God. It is a principle of motion by which he walks the highway onto heaven. It's the principle of strength by which he opposes the flesh, the world, and ultimately the devil. You see, God does exist. In every situation in your life, God has so much planned for you, so much he desires for you, so much he wants for you, yet it's not until you and I, by faith, will reach out and take. You see, I'm a believer that at salvation, everything heaven has is mine. But I come to understand that I will only receive as much as by faith in Jesus Christ, I will reach out and take. So there's not a man or woman in here that God does not have the best planned. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. It was not a passive statement. It was not a suggestive statement. It was a declarative statement. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. And then he goes on there and says, I have plans to prosper you. Oh, immediately the dollar signs go off. Folks, that's not what prosperity is about. I know there's a lot of churches that teach contrary to that. Well, folks, at this church, I'm going to teach what this says about it, not what somebody else says about it. Prosperity means that you can have a life of peace in the midst of problems. Prosperity means you can have a life of provision in the midst of absence. You see, prosperity means not that I have everything I need, but that I need everything I have, which is Jesus. See, the reality in our lives, we must understand, faith makes things possible. It does not make them easy. Faith is the hardest thing to comprehend, but the only thing that God will accept. Let me say it this way. God's promises are not made to those of strong faith, but it's made to those of true faith. Listen to this. Walking by faith simply means being prepared to trust where we're not permitted to see. Hebrews 10, I think, outlines it very well and very simply. So for the next few minutes... If you would join with me, I'll take you through the scripture. But my righteous one will live by faith. Would you underline that? But my righteous one will live by faith. You say, Pastor, who is he talking about? The person sitting in your chair. You are the righteous one. And it's by faith that we will live. You notice it doesn't say we can live. We should live. Or if you are having a good day, you could live. What's it say? We will live by faith. And then he goes on to say it very adamantly. If you shrink back, if you won't do that, I will have no pleasure. 
I think I've underlined this already in your notes, but I want you to circle it. Now faith is being sure. Just that one little phrase. And then I want you to look at me. When I believe God for something, it is unequivocal. When I believe God for for something, it is without doubt. When I believe God, my wife, she just shouted amen, but sometimes I will believe God and she'll sit back and scratch her head (laughs) and then watch it come to pass. See, there's something about surety. I'm a horseman. I, I used to own horses. I love riding horses. But you know that a horse will take me a place I won't go? Because a horse understands surety of foot. It knows even when the rocks are tumbling. I, I've always thought I'd like to take a, a ride down the mountain on a donkey. But I said, no, nah, if you give me a horse, I'll go more surely. But actually, the donkey is more sure-footed. They understand the terrain. They understand when things start slipping exactly how to place their foot. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a child of God tonight, if you are believing and trusting and hoping and faithing, you have to know where to put your foot. And that is on the solid rock of Jesus. Can you say amen? Faith is being sure. Why do we ask if we're not sure? Why do we step out if we're afraid? Now, don't get me wrong. Fear comes in a lot of times. But I love the way one person said it. Fear is simply an acronym that stands for false evidence appearing real. Let me go on with the phrase. Faith is being sure of what I hope for. And certain of what I don't see. Trying times. trusting times but has God changed in the trying time has what he said been taken back when things get well you know I said that but I didn't realize this kind of time was coming does God change his mind at a whim see my Bible says he is a God that shall not lie he's not a man and if God said it you know what you can take it to the bank I love the bumper sticker said God said it I believe it. That settles it. But can I take it and tell you that you can take that center phrase out? If God said it, I don't care if you believe it or not, that settles it. And that's where we have to get from God said to I'm settled. By faith, look what it says here. We understand. Underline that, would you? Circle that. By faith, we're sure. And by faith, we understand. Everything that we know of has been formed at God's command. That what, that, that what is not seen, or that what is seen is made out of that which was invisible. And then it starts to expound upon men of God in the past. Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain by faith. By faith, look, he commended as a righteous man, and God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he would not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him out of the way. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now I want you to circle this whole last phrase. 
Because this is the dilemma that we have in trying times. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those that come to Him must believe. Say that with me. Must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Without faith. I want you to look at me, please, for a second. I want to go a little different direction this morning. And I want you to understand something. It's easy to look at a checkbook and have faith when there's stuff in it. But who are you running to when there's not stuff in it? The cupboard, the family relationship. All the various things that we deal with. But look what it says in our text. The righteous will live by faith. So let me break it down. What's it actually mean? Active faith is defined this way. Accepting, believing, and receiving. This is completely contrary to natural reasoning or the carnal thinking because it's not logically rational. The Bible says if you have faith, then you will simply accept that it is God. You'll believe that it is true, and you will act on everything you say you believe. That's what faith does. It doesn't work on the circumstantial. It doesn't work on the natural. It doesn't work on the logical. It is sometimes some of the most illogical, though it's not blind faith. It is all backed up by God's Word. I have people all the time, uh, not all the time, but periodically will tell me something that's contrary to God's Word. And you know what it is? Well, what do you think about that? Well, it's not God. Well, how do you know? That's the way I interpret it. Well, that's your first problem. Because the Word of God says that His Scripture is not of any private interpretation. You know how to know if it's God or not? It lines up with His Word. If it doesn't line up with his word, I don't even have to think about it. It ain't God. I know that ain't good English, but that's good preaching. I'm trying to. We've got a choice. And that's to trust God's goodness and love and live in hope or to turn from him and live in bitterness and despair. Can I tell you something? It's okay to get mad at God. It's okay to ask God why. But listen to me. It's not okay that after airing your complaints and acting and asking God to act, that you will not ultimately trust Him to do what you don't understand. This is what faith is about. And in trying times, we need to have trust in our lives. You see... Our problem is that our mind, our sinful mind is hostile to God. In Romans 8, 7, it says it cannot even submit to God's plan, God's purpose. That's why the Bible says we have to renew our mind. How do we renew our mind? By putting our mind in this book called the Word of God. How many of us, never mind, I don't want you to ask that question. I won't ask that, I'll get in trouble. How many read this book more than you read any other book? Don't raise your hand, please. Because I know you'll be lying. Well, I take that back. There's actually a few hands that would go up that I know it is true. But folks, we spend more time 
watching news on television. We spend more time watching what next movie is coming out so we can go. We spend more time in the twilight of Harry Potter than we do in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, that's, those movies aren't bad. Well, it all depends on how you look at them. If they become consuming, they are bad. I'm sure I'm glad you're saying amen, Hensley. Nobody else is. Come on, give the Lord praise in the house of God, would you, today? Our sinful mind wants to be consumed, and the devil will make sure that we're able to do it. What must we do? Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not unto our own understanding. Acknowledge Him in everything we do. And then He will cause the mountain to come down, the valley to come up, and the victory to be ours. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. This is what God's Word teaches. God has so much for you and I. But we have a tendency to only believe what we understand, what we can figure out. Throughout the Bible, God has told us if we would just believe, He would help us understand. Some people have said over the years, you know, if God would just show me a miracle, I'll believe. And I just tell them, well, if you'll just believe, you'll see the miracle. Say, Pastor, that's easier said than done. Turn to the person left or right of you. You're seeing a living miracle. Verse 3 of our text says, by faith, we understand. Look at, look at me. Not by going to church do we understand. Yes, we need to go to church. Not by doing some religious activity, serving at Sunshine or Dorsey or or any other places in town. It says, by faith, we understand. So what does it really mean to believe? Quickly, I'm going to try to do this in the next 15, 20 minutes. In Germany, at the end of World War II, there was an anonymous sign found at the bottom of a, one of the very few unblown-up bridges in Germany, and it was carved there by somebody of faith, somebody that believed God, somebody that in the midst of trying times still said, I'm, I'm going to believe, look what he says, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I don't feel it. I believe in God even when he is silent. Amen. See, faith is being sure. I've had people over the years say, well, that, that's not possible. I don't care. I'm not looking for possible. You see, my Bible still tells me I serve the God of the impossible. And he said in my Bible, it says, I think it's in your book too, that with man it might be impossible, but with God, with God, with God, all things are possible. My righteous one will Live by faith. You see, believing is knowing what God said is true. 
You, you spent a couple times, Bill Miller, believing, haven't you? And you've watched it come to pass, haven't you? Amen. Kylie sitting next to you, shout glory in that one. Got to hold her back. She might come undone real quick. You see, I think what is, is the older we get, sometimes we see more that has happened. I share things when my wife and I were dating. She almost threw me out of her house. I know some of you are surprised. Throw me out? I was waiting for some of you ladies to say, oh, but I didn't get a single one. She almost threw me out of her house. You know why? I was sharing things with her that I had done. I was sharing stories about, about Asia and Africa and China and, and uh, Russia and, and South America. I was sharing stories about things I had done. And she was visibly shaking. And she said, get out of my house. No one could have ever lived a life like that. But then I opened my computer and I started showing her picture after picture, transcript after script, transcript, uh, travel documents after travel documents. And she came to believe in something she had never, ever seen in her life. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when somebody tells you it can't be done, I'm kind of strange. I figure if you tell somebody it can't be done, the person who tells them that should never stop the person doing it. Because I've done lots of things that they say can't be done. Do you know why? Because I know what God said is true. Believing is an action word. It means I'm doing something about what God has said. I ask the question, why do we find it so hard to believe the Bible when God says, and yet what God says, and yet so easy to believe what man says? Faith is firm permission to be persuaded with expectation that God will perform. All I'm doing is trying to build us in the trying times that we don't give up, but that we trust. In James 2, look what it says. Faith by itself, if it not accompanied by action is dead. Look what it says at the end. Faith without deeds is useless. What's it mean to believe? It means I start doing something about what I believe. I start getting up. I start moving. I start stepping out. Well, it doesn't, it's not what I've always done. God didn't ask you to do what you've always done. Wig, uh, 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 Zig Ziglar said it this way, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. Amen. Faith means I'm doing something. Believing means I'm doing something. What, what does it mean to accept? Okay, I believe this, preacher. Okay, go fine, fine. You're beating a dead horse. Let's move on here. Trying to get that dead horse resurrected. Amen. What does it mean to accept? Years ago as I was seeking God and praying and believing, I started asking God about doubt. 
And doubt, God gave me this interesting perspective. He said, doubt is a product of faith. Now think about that for a second. How can I say I have faith if I have doubt? We just talked about our carnal mind doesn't want to believe. Our carnal mind cannot believe. And by virtue of the fact that you, a man or a woman of faith, have doubt means you are trying to believe what you've never believed, to do what you've never done, that you could see what you've never seen. And God gave me this little thought. He said, doubt is the product of unbelief. Unbelief is the product of uncertainty. Uncertainty is a product of fear. And fear is a product of the unknown. But if I have faith, then I have certainty. So I don't not know. Psalm 53 says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. I read a story one time about a, a lawsuit down in Florida. This atheist brought a lawsuit against all the holidays. The atheist began to stand before the judge and plead his case. The atheist stood up and said, there's constant celebrations afforded to Christians and Jews and their holidays, but we don't have a single holiday to celebrate. And the case was brought before the judge and listening to the long, passionate presentation by the lawyer and the accolades by the atheist himself, the judge banged his gavel gavel down after the arguments and said, case dismissed. The lawyer immediately stood up and objected to the ruling and said, your honor, how can you possibly dismiss this case? Christians have Christmas, Easter, and so many other celebrations. Jews have Passover, Yom Kippur, Hanukkah. Yet my client and all atheists have no such holiday. The judge, in smug response, leaned forward in his chair and said, Obviously, your client is too confused to even know, much less celebrate the atheist holiday. It's on the calendar every year. The lawyer pompously said, Your Honor, we are unaware of any such holiday for atheists. Just when might that holiday be, Your Honor? And the judge said, Well, it comes exactly on the same date every year, April 1st. And then the judge proceeded to say, It is called April Fool's Day. For the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Thus far, in my opinion, if your client says there is no God, then by Scripture he is called a fool. April 1st is his holiday. Now have a good day. Case dismissed. Get out of my courtroom. But let me ask you a question. That's funny and that's, that's humorous and all that kind of stuff. But how much of a fool do we come each time?
when we don't believe what we say we really believe. You say, Pastor, I do believe. Are we acting on it? I'm reminded of a story where back in Alabama there was a preacher preaching. There was a great drought and he was preaching and he was saying, you know, folks, we need to go up on the mountainside and we're going to pray for rain and then we're going to meet up here on Sunday. We're not going to meet in the church building. We're going to go to the mountaintop and we're going to rejoice and thank God for the rain. All of a sudden the preacher preached on it for week after week after week and then the Sunday of designation came and the preacher took the congregation and great great excitement. They walked up the hill. They saw a little cloud out in the distance. They started marching up the hill in great expectation get to the top of the hill and the preacher was indignant he said you people of no faith no faith what do you mean pastor he said not a single one of you brought an umbrella do we really believe what we say we believe James 1 says a man that believes, must not doubt. In other words, he does not give up on his belief. Because the man that gives up on his belief is like a wave of a sea blown and tossed. And that person should never expect to receive anything from God because he is double-minded. He has a foot in Christ and a foot in the world. He has one foot in heaven and another foot, well, you can figure it out. But the reality, the Bible says that God is faithful, God is sure, and he said faith is being sure of what I hope for and confident of what I have not yet seen. Can somebody say amen this morning? You say, Pastor, it's just not that simple. I do believe, but I'm like the man that said, but Lord, help my unbelief. As I begin to bring this to a close this morning, James 1.13 has a very interesting thought, and Satan has deceived many Christians out of this passage. We think that when we go through troubles, that somehow or another God is tempting us. God is testing us. God is trying us. Yet the scripture says when tempted, we shouldn't say God is tempting me. For God doesn't tempt with evil. He doesn't tempt man. You see, God does not tempt his children with evil. God does not tempt us with sickness or pain. Let me make a statement. He took the weight of the world upon himself. Why would he expect you to carry what he buried? If God promised to deliver, why do we remain bound? If God promised to lift up, why do we remain downcast? If God promised to take us over, why do we remain frustrated, and cast down under. Let me share some truths. When Abraham went through what he went through, God was building his faith, challenging his obedience. When he said, take your son and sacrifice your only son, and he lifted that knife, he went all the way to actually slaughtering his son, 
crucifying, if you will, his son. But the angel of the Lord at the last moment said, stop. And listen what God said, now I know you love me. Look at me, please. When you're going through trying times and you stand in faith, unequivocal in trust, without reservation and belief, that's when we prove the love of God. Am I making any sense today? When we stand there unshaken, that's when we prove the love we have for God. When God took the children of Israel through the wilderness, the Bible says it was to humble them. It was to get them to where they stopped trusting in uncertain riches. They didn't trust in Egypt anymore. They didn't trust in man's provision anymore. They began to totally, without reservation, trust in God. God set them there to prove their hearts. Job. The Bible says that he went through things that none of us could even imagine. Yet through the midst of his afflictions, God did not allow it to solicit sin, but rather to double bless him in the end. Why is it that when good things happen, we rejoice, but we don't give glory to God? But when bad things happen in the world, we say it's the act of God. What does it mean to really believe? James 1.14 says that the man, when he is tempted, realizes by his own evil desire that he's dragged away. Let's go back to our text. The righteous one shall live by faith. The righteous one shall live by faith. Faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of faith is to see that which we have believed. We find this in Romans 4. Abraham was made a promise. He was almost 125 years old before his only son of the flesh came, named Isaac. His wife was almost a hundred when the promise was made. Twenty-five years in waiting. But look what the scripture says in Romans 4, 18. And I share this for those of you that said, I have believed and I have stood and I have trusted. And by the grace of God, I will stand and I will trust. Well, Galatians 6, 9 is your verse. It says, don't be weary in doing what's right. In due season you will reap if you don't quit. If anybody had a reason to quit, it was Abraham. If anybody had a reason to throw in the towel, it was Abraham. But look what it says in the 18th verse. Against all hope, what did he do? He believed in hope. And because of that, he became the father of many nations. Look what it says down a few verses. It says, he did not waver through un." belief but he listened to the promise of God and knew that God would strengthen him and he gave God all the glory because he was persuaded underline this in your notes he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do exactly what he promised 
You see, doubt sees the obstacles. But faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. But faith sees the day. Doubt fears to take a step. But faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes. Faith will always answer, I. If we will believe what Jesus said, that I am the beginning and the end, we will have the hope for the future and the victory from the past. If we'll accept what his word says, all of it, not part of it, then we will have the promise that he has shared and given. It is then that we will receive everything that Jesus has for us. When I was praying in that time years ago, and God began to deal with me about doubt, he also gave me these thoughts about faith. He said, faith is believing. Believing is accepting, and accepting is receiving. And receiving is what we do when we have faith in God. Faith is simply acting upon our belief. Accepting that what God's word has said, and then I can receive his promises. As the worship team comes, let me share a true story about a cotton mill in Georgia. At this cotton mill in Georgia, there was a sign that read at the factory gate, if your threads get tangled, send for the foreman. A new worker got hired at the cotton mill and began working one day, and her threads got tangled. She tried to correct the mistake, only to make it worse. As a last-ditch effort, she called for the foreman and told him, I tried by myself. And he asked, why did you not follow my directions? And she said, I did my best. To which the foreman replied, no, you did not. Remember, doing your best is sending for me. A lot of times, we as Christians, we do our best. But our best is always short. We wonder why we deal with the frustrations, the anxieties, and the irritations that we deal with. When God has said, just send for me. Just send for me. You say, Pastor, words are cheap. His words weren't. And that's who we're sending for. I have people call me all the time. And I pray with people, and it's one of the great passions and loves of my life that I get to pray with people, walk through situations with people, uh, counsel people, encourage people, lift people. But if I could do one thing with people, I would tell them, don't send for me. Send for the foreman. 
You know why? Because I'm not always going to be there. I'm not always going to be available, but He is. I'm not always going to have the answer, but He is the answer. I'm not always going to know where to go, but He's already went the way. He said, follow in it. If I could do one thing for all of us today, I would encourage you, begin to believe what you say you believe. Base your life on it. Then when things get shook up at work, you're not going to be shook up. When the bottom falls out, not a worry. Because you know rock bottom is the best place to build a good foundation. When the outlook looks bad, you're okay. Because the uplook is still good. It's real simple, faith. It really is. That's what I live my life in. I literally don't worry about much. Except that I could be the best that I could be for you. God has nothing but the best for you. And I want to be that. As your pastor, as your shepherd, but more than anything, as your friend. Today, let me encourage you. Let's begin to believe what we say we really believe. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.